come to kindergarten class. The Developmentally Appropriate Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Kindergarten Kiosk. I'm Lindsay. And I'm Kathy. And we're tired. <laughs> and we're tired, <laughs> like all you teachers that are going back. School is starting, and it's exhausting. So let's talk about the first nine weeks of school, Mom, because you talked about before that kindergartners take nine weeks to really get going. So let's talk about that some more. Okay. Well, everyone's going to know the number one thing that you do to make your first nine weeks great, and that's procedure, 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 procedure. I thought you were going to say chocolate cake, chocolate cake, chocolate cake. (laughs) No, if I was going to say that, I'd say chocolate cake, cherry coke, fudge. (laughs) Chocolate cake, cherry coke, fudge. (laughs) No, the answer is Run to the gym and do a few Zumba dances. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's all about procedures and I've seen a lot of people come in to their classrooms and um, unfortunately watched a few people struggle and have a few failures along the way. And every one of them that um, I've mentored or had as a student teacher and watched this happen, or even just a neighbor teacher, it's all always been, they're just so excited to get into the academia mm-hmm. and the curriculum that they just want to st- get flying. Mm-hmm. They just want to get their plane off the runway <laughs> and get going. But w- the way to be successful in kindergarten teaching is you stay on the runway <laughs> for a long, long time. Long time. And then it, it varies for class to class. Last year I had a class that actually within three weeks we were ready to take that plane up. Mm-hmm. And other years, I've been on that tarmac for, you know, 12 weeks. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So tell me what that looks like when you're teaching kids procedures, because obviously you're not just teaching procedures, because that would be really boring. So how are are you teaching procedures? I mean, I, I know you. You're not in there practicing lining up and putting your pencils away all day long. Okay, so the way you need to get going with where you're sitting on the tarmac but you still need to go onto academics is you realize that your driving force of your day is not the standards or of academics. Mm -hmm. Your driving force of the day is procedures. So I'm going to teach my content but I'm going to teach my content at a level that my class is ready to take. So you're teaching your lesson, but your le- even though your lesson may cover the alphabet, the lesson objective is not students will learn the letters. It is students will learn how to sit in their chair. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. We're, and as a side as note, a side note hope. we'll talk about the alphabet, <laughs> yeah, but that's not really what we're learning about right straight now. straight lines and curves. <laughs> But I found that if you just keep repeating the procedure over and over again, that the kids will, um, you know, 
it will soon become a habit that they will just know the procedure. Yes, this is how I'm going to have to sit because if not, we have to do it again. We have to do it all yes. over again. When I glue with my glue bottle, and I love those um, fine motor um, activities that you made mm-hmm. that we have for sale on our uh, kindergarten kiosk site. I should print some of those for the, the beginning of the think, year. Why haven't I, I think printed it's called, those yet? I think it's called fine motor activities, actually. I think it's called actually. cutting and gluing fine motor activities. Yeah. But Thanks I for reminding me. I haven't printed any yes, yet. <laughs> I love those because um, the kids are so able to learn the procedures of how to use glue and anyone that reads our blog knows that I am not a flan- fan of glue sponges. You are not a fan of glue sponges. I am not. I didn't even know be- what glue sponges were until you told me about glue sponges. You're not. I know a fan. you said, "Why are you ranting about glue sponges? What's, <laughs> What's wrong a, with them?" What's a glue sponge? <laughs> and you know, they are really convenient, and I understand why people like to use them if if um, you know, mass bothers you, but Mess doesn't bother me because I'm a kindergarten teacher and I want their It's kind of surprising to, to me that mess doesn't bother you because you're so strictly organized in every <laughs> aspect of your life that I'm kind of surprised that a little bit of glue isn't like the end <laughs> of the world for you. Well, trust me, by the at the end of the day, it's all clean. <laughs> <laughs> Well, if you know my mother, which is your grandma, <laughs> there was no other way but to have everything perfect. Tidy. Yeah. And you know, when I was a kid, it's not that I kept it tidy for myself. I was kind of a slob, went to school, came home, and my room was tidy. <laughs> you know, I caught on to that you, really quick. You had a magical cleaning house as yeah, a kid. Yeah, and my mom's like, oh, you know, you're so busy with school. It's, you know, and I'd say, oh, thanks, you cleaned my room. Oh, you're so busy. Well, I wasn't a dummy. I would just leave my room as a slob mess, come home, and it was tidy. And then when I went to college, I came home my first day, and my room was still a slob mess. <laughs> And I couldn't stand it because I was so used to having my room spotless. So I had to clean it after myself. Do it yourself. Oh, no. I had to clean it myself. That's funny. That sounds like grandma, though. Oh, sweetie, you've been working so hard all day. I know. No matter how tired she was, she could have worked for 80 hours that day. (laughs) Still taking care of other people. Yeah, that sounds like her. So anyway, yes, we do clean after, but I like those fine motor um, papers because the kids really can use, learn the procedure of how to use the glue bottle. And scissors. And we open the glue bottle and close the glue bottle and open it and close it. I do that like 10 times before we even do the first dot of glue because I want to make sure everybody knows how to do it. Mm -hmm. And really, if you do that procedure, um, then... They learn how. And, of course, I give my dramatic story of the child who ruined all their crayons in their pencil box because they forgot to close (gasps) it. And everything was ruined and stuck together. And, of course, no one wants that to happen. (laughs) So So that's one thing I like to do. And, and, um, you know, anything. Procedures of using scissors, lining up. 
I like to use um, Heidi's song, lineup song. I talked about. Yeah, you it talked already, about that. I think mm-hmm. last time. Yeah, I like to use a lot of techniques and songs that will have the kids practice skills over and over again. And I think that's the whole secret. You just, you just remember you are in an airplane that cannot take off till your kids are under control. Because if you take off too quickly, then you will be miserable a few weeks down the line. And it's not too late at that point because I've mentored quite a few people that um, even in November, I told them just stop what you're doing Pretend it's the beginning of school again, and for two weeks, just do just it go over back. and over and over again. And and she was very successful. You know what? Thank on. goodness that that's true, because there have been many days that I've been teaching, and at the end of the day, I have thought that was terrible. <laughs> that was terrible, horrible. That was awful. But I can fix it tomorrow. <laughs> I know. Thank goodness that we can fix it. (laughs) (laughs) All teachers have those kind of days because we're not robots, we're not computers, and we're human beings that we have bad days, you know, where we don't feel all that well. We have other things. Um, We forgot about some procedure and then we try to do it and we're like, oh no, I didn't teach that. Oh no, oh no, oh no. (laughs) My friends and I from my old school called it the shelf. Everybody has a shelf, and when you walk into school, you have to put all the stuff on the shelf and then teach school. Mm-hmm. And some days, things start falling off your shelf, and you just have to let go and start catching things. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you have to allow yourself to have days like that mm-hmm. because kids are resilient, and they'll always give you second chances. Yeah. I love teaching two sessions of kindergarten. <laughs> <laughs> but I know that if that's I would have been that's a parent, I would have put my kid in the afternoon session. <laughs> because the first session, I might have been all bright and bubbly and, and um, a little bit more excited about lessons. But in the afternoon, I fixed every mistake. <laughs> and so it just went like a well-oiled So machine. there is a bright side to half-day kindergarten is that you get a second chance every day to mm-hmm. fix things every, every single day. day. Yeah, so there's, you know, honestly, uh, there are a lot of things I miss about teaching half-day sessions, weirdly mm-hmm. enough. I would never go back to it, but it does have a lot of benefits. So I'm curious... Talking to you who speaks, teaches know, half-day I'm, sessions. I I'm teaching a half-day session, so... How do you get everything in? Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I told you that's why when I moved to a full-day room, everybody just sat and looked at me like... How did she do all that? <laughs> it's just like because I had so much time. You're just so used to doing everything. Because <laughs> when you teach half, half day, day, you do not stop for one yeah, half a second. No. You're just going, going, You can going. fit in everything. You can teach in world geography, and you can teach them oh, yeah. the science and everything method and, and still have time for a 20-minute movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm curious. What are some procedures that you teach in the first nine weeks that maybe I would not think to teach? Please, please tell me some things I should teach before I forget to teach them and then suddenly try <laughs> to do something and think, oh, no, I didn't do that. Well, I'm sure that there are none that people have not thought to teach that have taught before <laughs> because you've lived it. Yeah. And so, but for new teachers, or even maybe you me. that has been out for me. a few I've years. I've been out for a few years, well, remind me. You've been out for a few years. And a lot of people changing grade levels that 
you changed and moved from a higher grade level to I kindergarten, from, and it's a shock. Well, I didn't isn't move it? from that higher of a grade level. I moved from well, first you were in grade, fourth and then well, first. I, yeah, and, I was in first, and then I moved to K. I, I remember like, though, you called cow. me that first day of kindergarten and said, "Why didn't you tell me kindergarten was so hard?" <laughs> well, I, in first grade, they knew everything they needed to know by the end of the first week of school, and then we went, and I got to the end of the first week of kindergarten, and I was like, "Oh my goodness." <laughs> we are never going to get there. Yeah. Ever. So so I think that it's just everything you do, so everything you're going to do in your classroom, know that you're going to practice it again. So uh, I talked about the math buckets at the beginning of the day and how I talked to him about the math buckets and how I'm going to ring the chimes and they're going to clean them up. And then I walk through it and then I let him go back to playing it. And then I ring the chimes, and then I help them go through it. And if they're pretty good at it, I won't practice that again until the next day. But if they weren't, you know, we're just going to go right back, take all those buckets back to the tables and practice it again. And when we go to the carpet, I want them to know how to go to the carpet, which way direction to face, how to sit. And so after I play some games and we sit down and we t- and learn how to sit at the carpet, then... I'm going to practice it again. So I think that's the key is just everything you do, do it twice. I think, do you think it's a matter of just everything you do, you have to be like 10 steps ahead of the kids and think you, of you really do. all the little places where they're going to get hung up and be ready to, to find those places, teach those pieces before they get there, mm-hmm. you know, like... I yeah. want them to use the listening center. Here are all the X, Y, Z, A, B, C places where they could not do what I want them to do at the listening center. And I'm going to cover mm-hmm. everything. Well, in my first two weeks, that's why I like to start centers right from the get-go. Mm-hmm. Is because I like to spend those first couple weeks, um, many of those days, if I don't have, you know, if I have aid help or parent help, it's you can ease yourself up that you can go to your table and do things. But if it's only you, mm-hmm. I'm going to give up those two weeks during centers to teach procedures mm-hmm. at the listening yeah. center. Just don't to teach even, procedures at the computer don't center. Don't even try to do to guided teach procedures reading at, at the playoffs. No, because if I can make them, you know, the writing center and the listening, all of that independent so that the kids know exactly what is expected of them, how to run the machines, what to do, then after two weeks, then I don't have to get up or be bothered in centers. I know a lot of people ask, you know, how do you keep your kids occupied during centers when you do guided readings? Mm-hmm. Well, my kids, they don't want to come and bother me at all during guided <laughs> reading because they don't want to leave the center they're yeah. in. But it's because you've spent and at least two weeks making sure they they have least. all their questions answered and they've we've worked out all the And then I bites. make a specialist for every center. Mm-hmm. I notice someone that's doing really, really good at that center and knows mm-hmm. it. And so I take a picture of that child and put that child's picture above the center mm-hmm. sign. And so if they have problems, then like at the listening center and they don't, can't remember how to figure it out, then they look and they see Mackenzie's picture. They run over and get Mackenzie and have her help them. That's a good idea. I never noticed and, you did that. Oh, yeah. And like Owen, oh my gosh, Owen bless your heart he is like the technician of my computers 
<laughs> that child was, and they, he didn't have computers at home. He, he just, just was, he, he really had never used computers. He just was a whiz at them and learned quickly. Uh-huh. So if there were ever computer problems, he was the one, not, not the teacher, yeah. just go get Owen. No, no. So I had a kid's picture and, and then if that kid had problems, then they could come and bother me, which, you know, maybe twice during the whole well, school year. Of course year. they don't want to come get you. They want to be the pro. <laughs> And the kids don't want to leave centers. So, but it takes really good training that the kids know what to do exactly at every center. They kids, the kids need expectations. They need fences. They need boundaries, and they'll do well. They'll do well if they know what is expected. And when you walk down to the line, you know you just make sure it's perfect before you. you, you leave the room. You practice and practice. Last year, I remember on the first day of school, we practiced doing the line in our classroom quite a few times, and, and I, did, I do the catch a bubble mm-hmm. trick and glue your hands and all that stuff and sing a little song about it. And then I told them, I said, now, you are the best kids in the, cla- in the whole school. They gave me all the best kids in the school. And so when we go walk down the hall, everybody's going to be looking at you to learn how to walk <laughs> down the hall. And so you have to do a really good job. And we had to walk, you know, from my classroom to the lunchroom, if we go through the school the mm-hmm. long way, was a long distance. And so I, we practiced, and I gave them the little speech. And so we started off, and we walk, were walking down, and they were all doing just excellent, everyone, you know. And, of course, I walked backwards a lot of the mm-hmm. time, and, and I do the sign language for line. If the line starts getting a little crooked, I do that sign language for line, mm-hmm. which is your back of your hand, your front of your hand. In, in a in line. In a line, mm-hmm. basically. Your fingers are in a line. And as we were walking down, the vice pr- principal, he came out of his office, and he said, he said, I have never in my entire life seen any children walk in a line so perfectly. And I was so happy because then the, <laughs> then kids, the kids, when we got to the lunchroom, I said, see, you're the best kids in the school. And everybody was watching and everybody you. everybody knew even it. the principal. <laughs> so from that point on, they just really, you know, stepped up to those expectations. Mm-hmm. So I think besides procedure and practice, expectations is key. Mm-hmm. You have to expect it of them. And, you know, the, no matter if your kids are high or low or um, on IEPs or whatever, they're going to live up to the expectation you mm-hmm. set. I was listening to a TED Talk. I can't remember what it was, so I can't tell people what it was. But he was a behavior guy, and he was talking about kids, and he said, I think my philosophy about behavior is that every kid will behave well when they can behave well. And he said, and and so kids don't misbehave because they want to misbehave. They misbehave because there's some sort of barrier keeping them from behaving so our job is to remove the barriers you know so I think Mm -hmm. I think about that as I'm trying to get ready you know for everybody to 
be in the classroom that my job is to think of where all the barriers are going to be and get rid of them mm-hmm. because they they want they will do well if they can do well they do they do and some of the barriers that you say to get rid of them some of the barriers are barriers that are you know terrible home life yeah and or speech problems mm-hmm. you know people can't understand what they're saying so they're frustrated and um, things that are barriers that you can't, you can't are going remove. to take a long time <laughs> to try to cushion the blow from those barriers. Mm-hmm. So what we need to do in those cases is teach them and empower them how to deal with those barriers and tell ourselves the barriers that those kids have, and then we'll treat them differently. We'll, we'll know that we'll still have that high expectation, but we'll also put that little sprinkling of um, understanding. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Well, I just have seen so many kids so many times be labeled the behavior kid, and he's always in timeout, and he's always in the principal's office. And, and I just feel like we need to find what's causing the behavior because children don't behave like that on purpose. I don't behave like that on purpose, but when I'm frustrated, I can get a little annoying. Because <laughs> <laughs> everyone yeah. can, you know, yeah. when we're frustrated. And so I had a, I was listening to some of the other teachers at school talking about, you know, they, they were all excited and they were talking about you know, who they had and asking the teacher before tell me about this kid and where they're at and what they're doing and you know and it wasn't anything negative it was just a lot of excitement Mm -hmm. because we're teachers and we get excited Mm -hmm. too but it reminded me I had a professor who said don't ask don't ask don't go to the grade before Mm -hmm. you and don't ask anything about them you give them a fresh start in your classroom and I really took that to heart, and I never, I mean, in kindergarten, you can't really, but when I taught first grade, I never went to the kindergarten teachers, and I never asked for input. I wanted them to come and have a blank slate with me, you know, I didn't want to take Mm -hmm. any, any, didn't want to carry over any burdens from the grade before, and then now that I'm kindergarten, I never tell, (laughs) or, no, I, I don't either, because at first off, you might have a child that really misbehaves in your class and circumstances change in the summer and they're, and they're golden. Per, yeah. in this, and the problem went away. In the first grade and they're, they're like, okay, obviously you are the problem. <laughs> <laughs> so there's that angle. But I just, I agree. I don't want to um, have any preconceived notions. And it reminds me of one of my favorite stories about um, Henry. And Henry was Is this, is this his just, real name? Okay. No. <laughs> it's it's a okay. story. It's a real story. It's not a it's not a real human oh, child. Oh, it's a story. This is a this is a fairy tale story about Henry. Yeah. So it reminds me of one of my favorite stories about Henry. And Henry was a child that was struggling, and he came to school dirty. And the teacher, you know how those kids are. You know it's hard to get. To hug him as hard as the kids who doesn't have snot <laughs> running down their face. And yeah. He came to school dirty and disheveled, and and he had bad behavior. 
and it came, the, it was the day for standardized testing, and, and they all sat down and took their test, and they took them on those little card, punch cards, and the teacher turned in her punch cards and sent them to be scored, and when they came back with all of the children's um, grades on it, Henry scored as a gifted child, and all of a sudden everyone started treating Henry differently, and I always get teary in this story, and they started treating him differently because he's gifted. Oh my gosh, we gotta give him more, we gotta treat him better, and all of a sudden, Henry started coming to school cleaner, and he started having better behavior, and he started uh, stepping up and catching on to the lessons better, and, and it was all because um, it, the expectations had changed for Henry. And at the end of the year, a letter came to the school and said that they needed to apologize because a mouse had gotten in the scoring machine and the scores were wrong. And so they needed to discount all of the scores and the kids would have to take the test again. And so that's just always, that was one I learned in college, mm. that story. And it just always stuck with me that high expectations from the teacher and teaching with rigor is what makes the difference in the life of a child. And so if I can keep my airplane on the tarmac long enough to set the kids up for success, then I've done my job. Well, thank you everybody for listening. If you wanna learn more about us, you can go to kindergartenkiosk.com or you can write to us at kindergartenkiosk at gmail.com. We love to hear from you and love to hear your suggestions if there's something you want us to talk about. And don't forget that ESGI is still having their, if you sign up, you're entered to win an Amazon card. So if you haven't tried ESGI, sign up with code B7227 to save yourself $40 when you decide to purchase this amazing product. And also, I'd like to um, remind everyone to check out caneboo.com. It's a wonderful program to communicate with your parents. Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye, everyone. Kindergarten Kiosk is a proud member of the Education Podcast Network, a network of podcasts for educators by educators. For more information, visit edupodcastnetwork.com. That's edupodcastnetwork.com Now can I listen to it?